let me give you a, a quick, hopefully quick introduction and preface to what we're doing here next. Because what we just talked about, what I just talked about, is how exciting it is to see what God is doing all around the world because of what we at Living Word Family Church do. It is just as important to know what God is doing at Living Word Family Church. And I know that any number of you could stand up and say, this is what God has done in our lives through Living Word Family Church. All right? We're going to hear from the Heinens today, not because they're the best Christians in the world. Believe me, they are not. Not kidding. I'm talking. No, listen, I, I, I say this to, to let you know a couple things. Number one, the Lord has been stirring in me. Uh, I, I've, been, I've been talking about it with uh, do this with care groups, maybe uh, introduce other opportunities for people to do this. But I think it's important for the church to hear from one another uh, on, a, on a fairly regular basis what God is doing in your life and even specifically what God is doing in your life through the ministry of Living Word Family Church. Uh, and I know, and I thank God for those of you who've been here for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and serving faithfully, and the pillar and the support that you are and have been and the way that God is using you. Uh, I am not elevating them above you or anything like that. I just have so appreciated what I have seen with this family, not because they're perfect. There's not a perfect person in here, but because here's a family that came. So we've got a, a family that is essentially baby Christians. They started coming to church a little over a year ago, and they got plugged in. They didn't just start coming to church. It's, it's, and it's, it wasn't like they, you know, there's some people that kind of wade into the pool little by little. And you know how torturous that is when it's super cold. And what's the best way to do? Just dive in, right? Get the shock all at once. And that seems like what they did. They started coming, and they got involved in care groups. They got involved in, uh, they started coming to youth group. They sign up for every activity there is. They sign up to serve whenever there's an opportunity to serve. They just got involved. And it's been such a blessing to see how God is using them, to see how God is changing them. And, again, and it's, it's inspiring to me. Uh, because this is what we want young families to do. We don't want them to come in there, just kind of hang around the back of the church and then slip out. I love the example that they've set. And, and again, I know they're not the only ones. This church is full of people who are here today because you made the similar decision. Uh, but I can remember, and as I was telling with them, because uh, as I mentioned, and I mentioned this uh, Wednesday too, but I'll say it because, again, not everybody was here Wednesday. Uh, during the uh, prayer mails, they were on our prayer mail list during a, a, a crisis, which I think is going to come up in the testimony. And I shared with you here, we want to be praying with them about this. And they really have an amazing story, but it's not my story to tell. And so I wanted him to tell this story. And I know that many of you, or those of you who are in their care group, have heard some of these details before. But I wanted you, uh, wanted you guys to hear this story from them, to hear their version of it. And so when I was asking them to share, I told them, uh, take your liberty. In fact, take the service if you have to. And they kind of laughed that off at first. And I said, no, I'm serious. I'm serious because 
I can remember a time, and many of you can too, where we would drive across town, sometimes uh, further than that, to what? Just go hear somebody's testimony. A lot of these early full gospel businessmen's fellowship meetings, that's all they were. Somebody standing up, and, and maybe sometimes it was somebody semi-famous. I don't remember anybody legitimately famous. You know, the, you know like I, I've kind of joked before, this guy used to... Uh, used to be one of Elvis Presley's bodyguards. You know, nobody knew his name, but you know, he was his brush with fame was he worked for Elvis, and so we would hear his testimony. And here's how I worked for Elvis and saw all these things, and God saved me. Or you know, here's somebody who survived an accident, workplace accident, and then there would be time of prayer and everything else. There is power in a, a believer's testimony to encourage the body, to challenge the body, and exhort the body. And so please give your attention and warmly welcome our guest speakers this morning, Chris and Amanda Heinen. I offered to uh, mic Chris up with my mic, and then she could have this one or, or vice versa, and he decided the only way they would both get to talk is if they had to pass the microphone back and forth. So, Thank you. <clears throat> Do you want to lean on the phone? Okay. So uh, I also want to apologize. I was told that on Wednesday night I'm really loud So, <laughs> with the microphone. Um, for starters, I just want to kind of uh, introduce us. So it's kind of hard for either one of us just to tell our story. Um, we've been together for 19 years. It'll be 20 years. Um, Leia, no, 20 years. No, next year. Sorry. My bad. bad math. Bad math. All right. Uh, so 19 years, which is most of both of our lives. I mean, we've, we've literally been, been dating, you know, since, you know, more than half of our lives. We've been married for almost half of our lives. Long time. Uh, so the point is, it's really hard to just say what my story is or to just say what her story is. So you kind of have to bear with us when we have to pass the mic back and forth because it, it truly is our story. We've, we've, we've grown up together, you know, all of our adult lives have been spent together um, and raising our family. So um, with that said, you know, we, we are the, the, the Heinens, uh, in case you haven't met us yet. Uh, Chris Heinen, my wife Amanda Heinen. Um, not going to go too much into before our most recent, uh, um, you know, the most recent time period in our life that kind of led us to Living Word and, and since then. Uh, but I do want to say, you know, from my perspective, uh, as far as growing up as a, as a kid, uh, church was not part of, of my growing up. We were not a, a Christian family at all. Uh, most of my family would describe themselves as people who believed in God, but not necessarily that they had to do anything about it. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, I can remember my, my mother and my grandmother and my grandfather, you know, saying that, you know, as long as I'm not a bad person, why would God condemn me to hell? So that was kind of the, the philosophy of, of my family growing up. Um, and, uh, you know, didn't grow up, didn't grow up wealthy, didn't really grow up, you know, you know, living in cars or anything, but, uh, we were definitely on the, the lower side of, of the income bracket. And, um, you know, everybody has issues that they deal with as a child, uh, especially when you, you kind of grow up in that situation. But I was kind of taught as an early age, you know, at an early age that, that everyone has their issues. So it, you know, as long as you're doing something about it or you do something to better it, there's no reason to, to really complain about it or, or talk about it. So I don't generally talk about, you know, ch my childhood too much. Um, but I know that uh, um, 
Amanda's childhood went a long way towards shaping her uh, as an adult and, and as a believer, so I'll, this will be my opportunity to pass the mic. Good morning. Uh, so, yeah, I had a rough childhood. I suffered some abuses and had lots of stepfathers and come and go, and um, one of them specifically physically abused me, and it definitely shaped my life and how I reacted towards other people and made me desire approval from everyone, um, made me a people pleaser, made me need to feel needed and wanted. And since being here, that has been satiated by God. And I realized that's probably my biggest epiphany since being here is that all I need is his approval. I don't need anyone else's. Do I want it? Yeah, I still want it. But generally, his is the only one that I need. And it's been amazing. And it's it's just been awesome. What next? Um, so I'll kind of skip some things. Uh, I mean, I've been in the Army for, uh, for 18 years. You know, so there's been a lot of ups and downs in the Army. Um, you know, I've been deployed to, uh, to Afghanistan three times. Uh, generally, you know, when you, you're watching, like, war movies and things like that, I mean, most of my time spent overseas was not like you see in those movies. Um, there were some times where things were rough, but there was a very long period in at least my life where I was not a believer uh, in Christ. Um, as a matter of fact, I was... I was the opposite of a believer in Christ. I believed that Christ did not exist or did not do the things that, that I now know that he did. Um, so I never leaned on God or a higher power. I always leaned on myself. Um, and, and in issues with our, our family, uh, one of the biggest things that I've, uh, I've come to realize is for, for all of our, our marriage together, you know, we had many, many highs and many lows um, and some of the some of the lowest lows, it always something always happened that made it better. It made things okay, you know. Whether it be financial issues, and then it just so happens it's right around tax time, so then we get a tax return, or uh, it just so happens to be, you know, I've been blessed that I've I've reenlisted in the army three times, and all three times came at a time where the army really needed me to stick around, so they threw a bunch of money at me when it's time to reenlist. You know, and it, it always seemed like something would happen that would make things uh, better. Uh, and again, I never attributed that to to God or or you know any kind of divine intervention in my life. Um, but uh, you know, just like you know, you, you've taught us, Pastor Scott, uh, when when Jesus healed everybody, He didn't just heal the believers. He didn't just feed the believers. Uh, he He healed everybody. And, you know, again, he wasn't doing it as an attention getter. He was, he was doing it because he loves us. And so what I've come to realize is that through all of those trials, uh, God brought us through because he loves us. Uh, and he knew that by doing that, one day, you know, we would, we would get it together. You know, one day it would occur to us and we would, we would end up here. Um, but uh, to be a little more specific on, you know, some of the some of the more recent uh, history. Uh, so through all these ups and downs, you know, we were doing we were doing okay. We were making it. You know, we'd we'd have we'd have difficult times in our marriage and difficult times financially, but then things would work out and we would be in a good place, uh, or at least we thought it was a good place. 
Um, and uh, my last deployment to Afghanistan wasn't a bad deployment. I went to Afghanistan and I worked on a base the whole time. I never left the base. I was an instructor. Um, so I was never really in any kind of danger or anything like that and had good internet because we've been in Afghanistan for 15 years at that point. So everybody's got internet. So, I mean, I was able to FaceTime, you know, my wife and kids every single night on my phone and, uh, you know, it wasn't bad and it was short. It was six months and I was on my way back home. Um, but, uh, right after I got home, that's kind of the beginning of the bad things, you know, that, that kind of led to, you know, where we, you know, ended up, uh, here in uh, St. Joe and here at Living Word. Um, my grandfather was a huge influence in my life. Um, my father left when I was really young and I had a stepfather growing up, but the, the one constant growing up was my grandfather. Um, and he was really my only grandparent that I had left. Uh, and he passed away after, I mean, he was, he was, he was 80. Um, so I mean, for my family, that's, he's ancient. He made it a long time. Um, and, uh, it just, it, it really, it really affected me because I felt like he was the, you know, the, the last real male role model from my early childhood. Um, and, uh, you know, once he, once he passed away, uh, a few months later, I was, uh, I was going through school to make E7. I was still a staff sergeant, and I was trying to get promoted to sergeant first class. And there's a school that's required, and I was in that school. And, uh, again, things were going well. You know, uh, I, had, uh, I had shined in that school, and I was the, named the top, you know, basically the valedictorian. I was the distinguished undergraduate of my senior leader course. And on the day I graduated... Um, we, uh, that night we were getting ready for bed and I got a, you know, excruciating headache. And then I don't remember anything after that for the next couple of weeks. So I will then pass the mic again. So he had a headache and, um, started getting really disoriented, walking around, speaking nonsensical things. He started crawling on the floor and uh, crawled to our kids' bathroom and put my son's glasses on upside down. And I was like, something's, something's happening. Something's wrong. So I called the, the, the 911, and um, they came, and they took his blood pressure, and it was like 190 over 90, 199 over 140. I thought it was like 190 over 99. Anyways, details. Uh, <laughs> so... So um, I'm an oversharer, so he said he would tap me if I was sharing too much. <laughs> so um, they took him to the hospital, but we had kids sleeping because it was like midnight. Um, and I couldn't go because I didn't have anybody. We were down in North Carolina, 12 hours away from family. I was calling all of our friends, trying to wake them up to, to get them to come sit with someone, someone to come sit with the kids so that I could go to the hospital with him and... I got a call from the hospital, or no, I didn't get any calls, and I was like, something, something's wrong. So, okay, fast forward, I guess. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, I finally found someone, got to the hospital. They said that he had a brain aneurysm rupture. So, that's a blood vessel in your brain, so he had bleeding on the brain. So at that point, it was a whole lot of hurry up and wait, just like with the Army. You just got to hurry up and do nothing. Wait for the doctors. The doctors come in at 8 a.m. Okay, it's like 2, 2 a.m., you know. 
So he was in a lot of pain, and by the time the doctors got there, they evaluated him, they did CT scans and all that, and they said if three people had the same exact brain aneurysm rupture, one of them wouldn't make it to the hospital, the other one wouldn't make it through the night, and the other one, if they made it to surgery, probably wouldn't make it off the table, but if they did, they probably would have severe deficits for the rest of their life. And he made it. I was beside myself. It was probably the hardest day of my life. I was beside myself. I virtually had no one. We had army people, and they came and they sat with me, but I still felt so alone. His mom came up from, or came down from Indiana, where we're from, and I just still felt so alone. Like, he would wake up right after surgery and not remember a thing, you know, from two minutes ago. Why am I in the hospital? And I had to go over that every five minutes. You're in the hospital because you just had brain surgery. You know, you, they had to put something in there to stop the bleeding. And he's like, what? I had surgery? Cool. You know, because he had never had surgery before. <laughs> But he uh, he slowly re- regained his his um, short term memory back and got out of the ICU. Originally, the doctor said he would be there for three weeks, and he made it out in nine days. And they just every time they came in, they were like, "Is this the guy that just had a brain aneurysm rupture? Like, how is he doing this well? You know?" And he's a medical miracle because of God. So I recovered from the aneurysm, like she said, nine days in ICU. I had some issues that lasted a little bit longer. I had some stuttering issues and weird things. Like for about a month, everything tasted like sand and everyone sounded like chipmunks. Um, but eventually, you know, that went away and I did some occupational therapy to fix the stuttering. And as you can tell, now I don't necessarily have a stuttering problem. Every once in a while, it'll get me and I'll repeat the same word like six times in a row and I have to stop. So that was kind of the first, you know, the, the, you know right after my grand, grandfather passed away. Then there was that. Uh, and the big, thing, the big thing with the aneurysm, yes, it was, it was, a, it was a, a medical miracle. God healed me and made sure that I was going to be perfectly capable to carry on in my life and take care of my family. Um, but it, my life was so much in limbo after that because I had no idea what the Army was going to do with me. There were doctors telling me that they were going to kick me out of the Army. There were doctors telling me that I was just fine. Um, that I, I could carry on my career, but I had no idea. Um, and uh, so that's when uh, basically I was told by my regimental sergeant major, the person in charge of my job's regiment in the Army, that I needed to find a different job because the bottom line was I was no longer able to uh, perform airborne operations. I'm no longer allowed to jump out of airplanes uh, because of the brain aneurysm. Because I couldn't jump out of airplanes, I can't do my job. Um, so they told me to find a new job, and that's when I volunteered to be a recruiter. Um, didn't know where I would go. I just volunteered for recruiting duty. Um, and I went through the process, did all the paperwork, uh, found out I was coming to Champaign, um, and uh, then I, I would say about, uh, about two months before I found out uh, where I was going, that's when we found out that we were pregnant with Levi. Uh, and we've been trying for six years to, to have another one. Like, there was not supposed to be a giant gap between our second and third child. That was not in the plan at all. Um, but God had his plan. And so uh, 
you know, and it's just another example of, of God blessing us, even though we were not doing our part, basically. Um, and, and at the time, didn't see it as a blessing from God, but I definitely, that was probably the first step in me feeling that there was something, you know, something working in our lives, uh, was her finding out that she was pregnant with Levi. Um, but then, you know, there's always those, those downturns that we would have at the time. And uh, a couple months after we found out that we were pregnant with Levi, my father, my stepfather, the, the man who raised me, uh, he had a, a sudden heart attack. He was only 50 years old, had a heart attack sitting on the couch with, uh, you know, he was by himself. My mom was upstairs working, and uh, he had a heart attack and died instantly. Uh, and it was, it was a huge shock. Um, you know, my, my mom was always in, she's always been in bad health. She never took care of herself. She did things as a young person that she shouldn't have done. And, you know, they kind of carried into her, her older years and she just never took care of herself. So it's kind of just been an expectation throughout my whole life that, you know, at some point in time, we're all going to lose my mother. And then slowly after that, it'll take a natural progression where, you know, the older the people are, the more likely they, that they are to pass away. So my dad dying instantly was, it, it, it really, uh, you know, it was, it was rough and it was rough on my mom because she also, like she was in the same, she had the same expectation that she was going to be the first to go and everyone would just have to deal with it. It was kind of a thing in our family that we all figured that. Um, so her losing my father, it, it was, it was rough. Um, and, uh, th- then we found out, that's when we found out whether we were coming to Champagne. You know, so it kind of, you know, a little bit of a blessing. We know that we're going to be a couple hours from home. We can help take care of my mom. Um, and uh, what happened next? <laughs> I got to think for a second. Um, I forgot to mention earlier that I didn't grow up in a church, but I grew up going to church sporadically. So I grew up growing a church till I was about four and then took a break until I was 10 and um, I had I was in the Big Brothers Big Sisters program, and my big sister was an avid churchgoer and a lover of Christ. And she, although didn't pass on a whole lot of, I think she was a Catholic, but I'm not 100 percent sure. She didn't pass on a bunch of you know godly things to me, a love for God or anything like that. But I've always felt like. I needed that, you know, I needed something bigger than what I am. I needed, I needed something. And, um, I went to church at a Baptist church for a couple of months and then, um, also didn't really take anything from that. And then when I was 16, we started going to church together and, uh, it was the church of God and they, spoke tongues and we didn't know anything about it and they didn't tell us anything about it. So when they would speak tongues, it was just like, what's going on over there? You know, like, you know, and it was, it was the show. It was the jumping up and down and hollering and, but it was mainly just the pastor's wife who did it. And we just, we had no idea what was going on. And so I continued to go to church, and he kind of fell by the wayside and didn't want anything to do with it, but I still needed something more. Um, We got married in that church, and then after that, I think his obligations ended, and I'm such a follower that I just stopped going, you know. Um, It's definitely his fault. No. (laughs) But uh, so then 
Um, when we lived in North Carolina this last time, we um, I got a job as a helper, a caregiver kind of thing um, for um, the mentally handicapped adults. And uh, well, I actually started out as a as a as a um, stop. What's it called? housekeeper. I started out as a housekeeper and the lady who ran the, before the lady, lady who ran the business and she's like, you'd be perfect to work with my daughter. I'm like, done. Let's try it out. And it was a complete godsend. And, um, so then I started working with her and I started going to church with her because then she started going to church and her mother loved that. Like, thank you so much for getting her into church. Oh, I didn't do it. You know, her boyfriend did it, but, you know, I was the facilitator. I drove her there every Sunday, and I got to sit at church with her, and uh, the first time I was there, they sang, Come As You Are, my Crowder, and I fell to pieces, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's me, you know, I'm, I'm broken, and I need to be here, and I just felt like something clicked then, and I needed to be there. And then I started pushing on him, and I was like, hey, let's go to church. Let's find a church. And he's like, nah. And then he went to a church with my son to watch his teacher perform. And he came home, and I was at work, so I couldn't go that day because it was a Sunday service. And there was a Christmas program. And he came home, and he's like, I could see myself going to that church. And I was like, huh? say again come again because I've been dropping hints like why all of a sudden change and so then he um we moved here and then he's like well let's (laughs) so we we moved here and about a month after we moved here that's when that's when Levi was born and um we were pretty pretty wrapped up in in Levi, uh, and that was what about it was probably seven or eight months after my dad had passed away, um, and right about the time that we moved here, that's when uh, my mom found out that she had kidney cancer, um, and it took a long time to find out it was kidney cancer. They thought it was all kinds of different things. She went back for tests and eventually had the kidney removed, and that's when they found out it was kidney cancer. Um, And, uh, so she started the treatments for that. Uh, so that was a rough time. And then in October of 2016, uh, Hurricane Matthew came up the Cape Fear River and hit Fayetteville, North Carolina, where we own two houses and we were, we were here. So thank God that we were not living in the house. Uh, but, uh, a friend of Hunter's that lived across the street was texting him pictures of the house from their house and you could just you could see the water first it's up to the bottom you know the very bottom of the house because it was on a slope so we thought we were good uh then it's up to the bottom of the front windows and then you can't even see the first floor of the house and we didn't live in a floodplain, so we didn't buy flood insurance uh so yeah and fema wouldn't help us because it was a rental property we didn't live there so uh it was it was rough we didn't know what we were going to do i mean that was I mean, and that was our, we owned two houses there, but the first house we just kind of bought because we didn't want to live on post anymore. And then we moved away, so we rented it out. So it was just a rental house. We had no intentions of ever moving back into it. Figured at some point in time we would sell it. 
But the second house, that was the house we were going to move into like when we were retired from the Army. That was our house. I had just spent the last, uh, right at the time I had my brain aneurysm, I had just bought like $6,000 worth of stuff to finish the upstairs bonus room. We put like 15 grand into the into the into finishing the bonus room, and it was it was my room, like blood, sweat, and tears, literally so much sweat because insulation is ridiculous in North Carolina. Um, but that was going to be our house, so to see it in that condition, like it was it was rough, uh, and we didn't have like I said, we didn't have flood insurance, so there was there was no hope. There's no way I was going to be able to come up with the money to fix it, especially being you know 12 hours away. Um, and uh, so that was the, the next thing. Um, and then in January, that was in October, in January, like I, I told Amanda, I was like, we need to, we need to find a church. We need to, we need to start going to church. I told her that we need to start going to church. Um, we talked about going to church. And, and uh, so... I was like, I need you, I don't have time, so I need you to go find a church for us to go to. Like, go, go talk to pastors, see what the churches are like. I got two stipulations. Uh, one of them is I don't want to go to a church where they speak in tongues. And what was the other? And not the Baptist church. Because the Baptist, the Baptist pastor had just ran into me at the barbershop. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to go to the Baptist church. Like, I th- thought he was going to, like, throw me into the back of a van and force me into his church. I, I don't know. It kind of scared me a little bit. So I was like, those, two, those are the two, two stipulations. Um, so. <laughs> so then I started calling all the churches, and the only one who answered their phone when I called the first time was Brenda. And um, she passed me right over to Pastor Scott, and he was like, yeah, I can meet with you, like, tomorrow. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And I came in and I met with him and I was like, so do you speak in tongues? No, I wasn't like that. So, that was a question, but no, he brought that up and uh, we talked for probably an hour and um, I decided, you know, that's definitely something, this is definitely the church I want to try out and I was going to try the Church of Christ and um, the Methodist also and the Prince of Peace. They were all on my list. I'd all, I called them all, but nobody answered their phone. So we came that very next Sunday. I think we met on a Wednesday or a Thursday, and then I came to service the very next Sunday. And I was like, who needs the other ones? I like this place. And we met everyone, I think, that first week. So if we met you then, I probably don't remember your name because we got bombarded with a whole lot of names. <laughs> but um, since then, we have met so many, so many people that have touched our lives people that have prayed for us, people that, um, you know, just help us. They've blessed us, and it's completely humbling, and we've learned so much from being here at this church. She went too far. There's more. So uh, we started going to church in February, February 5th. and my mom passed away on March 12th. So it was, I remember the first service that we were, that we came to Living Word. Um, I talked to Pastor Scott and asked him if he could pray for my mom. Um, thank God 
my, my mother got saved uh, about a month and a half before she passed away uh, because a really good friend of ours, a good friend of the family, is a, is a minister, um, and he had been talking to her for years. And finally, when she was still able to communicate, uh, she told him that, that she wanted him to pray for her and pray with her uh, because she knew where she was going and she definitely wanted to be right with the Lord. And so I'm so thankful for that. Um, but that was probably like the combination of all those events, you know, trying to stay positive with the fact that, uh, we had just, just had a brand new baby boy. Um, you know, it was, it was rough, but, uh, that was definitely, we found living word at the right time because I don't know how well I would have coped without coming back to the Lord. I was saved when we were going to the church of God and I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit in me. Uh, in the beginning and I didn't do anything to hold on to it. And I, I, I honestly feel that that's, that's what happened to me is I, I let it go. I let other things come into my life. I let the devil work in my life to let me forget the Lord and forget how the Holy spirit made me feel. Um, and so this time, you know, after 15 years, uh, this time I'm, I'm not going to let that happen. Uh, I know, I know what the, what the Lord is capable of and well, I don't know what the Lord is God. None of us know what the Lord is capable of. Um, but I do know what he has done, what he has done for me and what he has done for, for us and our family. Um, and it, it, the biggest thing that has come from me coming back to, to Jesus and, uh, coming back to the Lord and coming back to church is that. The worry is is mostly gone. It's something that I have always been a worrier. I've always been someone who needed to make plans, even if those plans were years and years away from any kind of fruition. I needed to know what was going on, and I needed to worry about it at every possible chance I got. Uh, and even things that were irrelevant, I would still worry about. Um, I'm not saying I don't worry anymore, but... For the most part, that is that is gone. You know, things. As long as I do all the things that I need to do, as long as I do what I can to take care of my family, and I, I praise God, and I, I, I do what I need to do, everything is going to be fine. And it just a peace has come over me over the past year that I've never experienced in my life, and it, it has been it has been an awesome feeling to to not have that worry and to have that peace in my life, uh, and. You know, even once we started to come into church, um, you know, finances were still a problem and we just lost a house. You know, we were, they were, we had no choice but to let the house go into foreclosure. There was no way I was going to be able to fix that house. Uh, I mean, we got an estimate just to remove the damaged stuff and it was going to be over $10,000. I didn't have any money. So there's no way I was going to come up with $10,000. So I just, whatever, I don't need that house. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was as crazy as it sounds, you know, and Maybe a little bit of over, oversharing here, but uh, filing for bankruptcy was a blessing. It, it, in some way, shape, or form, those bankruptcy laws that are in the in the U.S. Code was a was a blessing in our lives, and it, it gave us the opportunity to to not worry about those things. Uh, it gave us the opportunity to you know not dwell on the fact that we lost you know our forever home, the home we were going to retire in. Uh, it, it gave us. You know, 
you know, the next, the next big thing that happened is, is, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit moved in me and in her that we needed to start tithing. Uh, we had, we had been blessed with being relieved of the stress of that house. And, you know, it, tithing was, was a big thing, you know, and it's a big step for someone that has spent 35 years of their life, you know, 20 years of it working for a living to give 10% of your income to anything other than the U S government, which takes it automatically, you know, uh, you know, to, to, so to freely give that. You know, it, it's a big decision. We'd always given in the church, you know, even the first time we went to church, there was always, you know, we'd stop by the ATM and get a 20 and throw a 20 in there. And you're like, I'm giving something, you know, as long as I'm giving something. And even once we started going here, you know, we would, we weren't tithing, but we, we would give, you know, what we thought we could give. And then anytime another offering came around for missions or, or what else, we would, you know, just like, uh, um, just like uh, Pastor Hagen said, you know, never let the, uh, never let the offering plate go by. And so that's kind of what we live by. As, we, as long as we never let the offering plate go by, we would, we would be fine. Um, but, you know, like I said, the Holy Spirit started moving our lives, and we felt that wasn't enough. Uh, so, you know, it just, you know, perfect timing. One of our cars got paid off. It freed up this much money. All right. So we started tithing. And I got to say, like, I, I, I never feel like... Uh, there's a worry for money. And I haven't since that day, since the day we wrote a tithe check and put it in there before we do anything else. It is the very first thing that comes out of our paycheck. Uh, when I get paid on the, on the first and the 15th is the very first thing that comes out of Amanda's paycheck when she gets paid. And I don't worry. There's always going to be groceries in, in the refrigerator, the, the, the payment, the car payment, the house payment, the, the rent payment, it's all going to be paid. I'm not worried about it. And it has been a blessing. I'm sure it has something to do with the fact that I'm you know, the, the God is going to bless me because along with the, the progression of my career where I'm going to be, get to be a master sergeant, that's a pay raise. The army's going to pay me more money. And, and all these things have led up, you know, from us coming back to live, you know, coming back to the church, coming to living word family, family church and, uh, and doing the things that we need to do, you know, to, to live right in our faith. You know, we're still working on the preach the gospel thing. I try I bring it up. It's still awkward for me a little bit, but I'm getting there. Uh, but if, if, if me preaching the gospel is anything like me recruiting people for the army, I'm not going to be very good at it. So, um, but, uh, you got anything to add? I also wanted to say that, uh, when we first started coming to church and, you know, he's in the army, so he had really bad language and it rubbed off on me, of course. Every time he came home from a deployment, he'd have a new word I'd never even heard about. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, but so then um, he's like, well, I'm going to work on my, on my language. And I was like, well, I don't really want to change who I am. I feel like I'm a good person. I don't want to change. Like, I'm, you know, I'm good. Curse words are sentence enhancers, right? You know? <laughs> so... <laughs> Throughout the time that we've been here, I noticed a change. You know, I noticed that the radio station slowly stayed on WBGL. And then I noticed that um, I wasn't cursing much. And then I noticed that he had gotten better. And I started speaking life into some things. Of course, I don't always remember because I'm working on that, but I started speaking life into some things, and I started 
accepting it because I didn't always feel like I deserved what God had for me. And, but I needed it. And I think what touched me, touches me the most is music. Um, it's a big part of my life. You know, I was the person, I'm the person who, when I'm having a bad day, I could put in earbuds and go listen to all the sad songs and just cry and cry and cry. And when I'm in a good mood, you know, I want to listen to happy songs. <laughs> he makes fun of me for crying at commercials. So, <laughs> but, um, so... Music has been a really big part of my life, and No Longer Slaves is a song that I just can't help but put both my hands up and cry, and I call it scream singing because I just want to yell so loud because I'm so thankful, um, you know, that he has taken my fear for so much. Like, just getting up here to talk, I'm like, oh, gosh. You know, I'm getting nervous, I'm getting shaky, but the microphone's staying still, if you haven't noticed. I've, I've been doing pretty good, you know? He has taken so much fear from me, and I just I thank him for it. And it's just another one of my testimonies that he's, one way that he's worked in my life, because fear has run my life. You know, as a teenager, sometimes I contemplated suicide and um, attempted a couple times, and God didn't want my life to end. He had bigger things in store for me. And, um, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of baggage coming into adulthood. And it, I didn't do so many things because I was always scared. I was scared to fail. I was scared to fall down. You know, oh, no, I really want to do that, but I can't because I might not do good at it, you know. I don't want to do anything if I can't do a good or well, well, but, uh, so, you know, that's not a thing anymore. Now I'm like, Oh, let's go do that. Let's go do this. Like, Nope, we're doing it. So it's been like a whole new life, honestly, from the me that was before living word and the me that is now it's a completely different person. And I'm okay with that. The end. <clears throat> Stay up here, so. Beth, come up here. Let's just pray for them real quick before they go sit down. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for the, for this family and uh, for for the gift that they have already been to this body, and uh, we thank you and praise you for the work that you've done in their lives and. Uh, uh, we just pray your continued blessing, uh, your continued transforming work in their lives, uh, that you would prosper them on his next assignment, uh, wherever and whenever that takes him. Uh, meanwhile, Lord, we just thank you for the blessing that they have become to this body. Help us to be a blessing to them as well. Protect them, grow them, and use them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing. And you know what? You guys are both excellent public speakers. I really appreciate it. I'm serious. That was great. Very, very good. Uh, now, Romans, part two. Open your Bibles. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to preach. I'm going I'm to uh, praise worship team. You can be coming up here. I'm going to make a couple of observations. I'll let you go. Uh, I'm so glad. There, I had a number of little things 
that I'm thinking, I hope they include this. I hope they include this. And they did. They included everything. And that, I remember that was being one of my favorite things when, when Amanda came in to talk to me. Uh, you know, she had some very specific questions. And I'm like, this is going good. This is going good. And I, I, I'm tell you, guys remember Felucio, right? When he called the first time to ask questions about our church, once I sort of, you know, takes a while talking to him before you can really understand him, you kind of have to develop an ear for his accent, right? And it's twice as bad on the phone, and he's telling me. So I quickly discerned that he was a uh, grad student. He's doing this work in higher math at the University of Illinois. And so when he started asking questions, I got to admit, I, I hate this, all right? And I was a young, stupid youth pastor, and you know how they are, right? Anyway, I was a little self-conscious about the whole charismatic thing. So I, I'm honest. I'm trying to downplay it. So I'm, oh, we got college professors here. You know, I mentioned Daryl Good, Bill Gray, and, and we got lawyers. And we got, I'm, I'm trying to make us sound legit, you know. Uh, and then any of you who ever got to know Felucio know that he didn't care anything about that. You know, he was looking for the most charismatic church, the most Pentecostal, the most word of faith church he could find. And I almost talked him out of coming, probably. But no, he came. Uh, but, but I did learn a lesson, man. I'm not going to ever try to hide what kind of church this is. And so when she, when she asked me, she goes, yeah, the only other thing is my husband would said, you know, he went, he went to a church where they, where they spoke in tongues and he would rather, rather not. Uh, now I could have said, you know, we hardly ever do that here. Or anything. I said, well, you know, here, we are a church that does that. But will you please? And I, 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 I don't remember if you remember, but I opened up 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and just read, look, this is what the Bible says. Now I understand why it turns people off and maybe the particular type of manifestation you saw, maybe they were doing it wrong, but don't let that keep you from coming. And thank God it didn't. And here they are. Uh, but you guys are a blessing. And when you, uh, I was thrilled and I got a little, again, I got a little bit of a preview of this when Amanda was telling me how uh, God had blessed them financially. I think they said they started tithing in October, and then in November you landed this job that really kind of dramatically increased your income. Uh, huh? Th through Amber, right? And uh, it, it boggles my mind. Now, listen, I don't. I, I, I don't have... I, I don't go through and look. I have no idea what anybody in here makes. So even if I looked and saw what everybody gave, it wouldn't help me to know who's tithing. All right? But I know there are people who have been faithful givers and faithful tithers for years and for decades. Statistically, we are a pretty good we have a, a, we we must have a pretty good percentage of good givers, good tithers because we're not a huge church. And we still manage a decent-sized budget, and we still manage to be a blessing. Also, statistically, it's a certainty that not everybody in here is tithing. And I just want to point this out as an exhortation, as an encouragement, as a challenge. Here is a family that just started coming to church over a year ago. And do you know, I've got friends who pastor churches who've had people, they've got big, vibrant, you know, borderline mega churches, and they struggle making budget because hardly anybody tithes. They walk, people walk into this church and they think, well, they don't, number one, they don't talk a whole lot about money. And number two, they think they got all this. They don't need my money. 
And it is one of the biggest hurdles for the new believer. If you weren't raised in it, and I love Chris pointed that out, man. You live your whole life. You know, you're working. You're you're saving. You're you're planning, and that's a big adjustment to make. Oh, now you're telling me ten percent of this belongs to God. It does. All right. Now it was always easier for me uh, because I was raised believing in that from the time, practically from the time I became a Christian. But to see a young family embrace that and apply it blesses me. But if there are if there are any of you in here, maybe you've been walking with the Lord a lot longer than that. I want you to be challenged. If you are not a tither now, what step? Start with where they started. I'm not going to let the offering plate go by. I am going to invest in the church family that has invested in me. It's something you should get excited about. It's something you should long to do. It's also something that I believe, biblically, you're obligated to do. And this is a year of giving, so I'm so glad you included that in your testimony. Uh, Also, a little bit of preview, the sermon that I had for Wednesday night uh, before Chris and Joab hijacked it had to do with, with being transformed, the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, the transforming power of the Word of God, and how it's difficult sometimes when you are trying to train somebody or disciple somebody, how much do I lay on them and how much do I let God lay on them? And isn't it interesting how her first reaction was, eh, language is language. It's verbal punctuation, right? What you call them, sentence enhancers? Uh, but who was it that changed your mind about that? So the Holy Spirit began to convict you about these things. God is perfectly capable of changing people as long as they put themselves in a posture to be changed. Humble themselves before God and his word, right? And I love this. I'm not, I'm not sure if they meant to sound spiritual when they said this. But I love this phrase. It's like a whole new life. And isn't new life precisely what Jesus Christ offers? Stand up with me. Because when I hear how good God has been to the Heinens, when I look at how good he has been to the Millises, and when I look around and I remember how good he's been to you, I get excited. He's a good God. So a couple things I want to throw at you. If you have never embraced the the new life that Christ offers, now is your opportunity. And I want you to do that before you leave. But I also want you to remember this. For all the goodness that he has manifested in their life, in your life, in my life, it is nothing but a taste of what ultimately awaits the believer. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. We'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org.